Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Poor Richard's Cafe and Star Local Media. Poor Richard's Cafe, Plano's oldest restaurant since 1973. They are open daily from 5.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., serving the three most important meals of the day, breakfast, lunch, and dessert. It is true Texas homestyle cooking made with love and grit at his Poor Richard's Cafe, located off of Avenue K in Plano. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Devin Hassan and Kendrick Johnson. Uh, gentlemen, let's keep rolling with our uh, our spring football roundup series as we go uh, district by district, letting you all know kind of where things stand for our high school football teams at this juncture of the offseason. Uh, last week we led off talking some 5A with 7-5A Division II. We're going to stick with 5A for this episode and stick with 7-5A, albeit over in Division One. That's not confusing, is it? So as a quick refresher of what that district consists of because as we mentioned last week with football those districts are a bit different from the other sports this is the district that has mckinney north the two 5a mesquite isd schools so poteet and west mesquite as well as tyler john tyler sherman uh texas high out in texarkana and wiley east um you know for those last four schools we'll get to them at a later junction going to focus primarily on the three that are near and dear to our hearts uh mckinney north poteet and west mesquite this was a uh, fascinating district this was a wild district last wild, year. Wild West. <laughs> Me and Devin talk about all the time. You didn't ever know what you were going to see, and uh, you you wouldn't think in t- high school sports that travel pay- plays a big deal, but each team has to make at least one, sometimes two, two to three hour bus rides, mm-hmm. and that adds up because you see the results of those games. It was wild. Like Sherman's only an hour and a half away from McKinney on the bus, and that was McKinney's worst game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they got beat by 40. Do we recall, was there anyone last year that had to make the trip? to both Tyler and Texarkana? I don't know. McKinney did. I know they went to John Tyler, but Texarkana came to mm-hmm. uh, McKinney. I'm not sure if the schedule... No, I, I, don't, I don't believe so, but uh, again, Wiley East might have been one of those, uh, yeah. you know, it's the teams that we don't pay as close of attention to. And, and I, I'm not as big of a proponent as Kendrick is on the travel makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, to me, it's... You go out east. I think it's tough to play at Rose Stadium and Tyler. I think it's tough, you know, in, to go to Lobo Stadium and Longview and play, but I, I don't think it's, it's that as big of a deal going to Sherman or well, the, the, the coaches told me um, in the program I cover North that's basically like routine. Like you got kids that are used to being in class. Coaches even have the routine, so that that throws off the routine because you gotta make a call for that travel. That and then just travel on a day of, of a big game is a big deal. So it's more about that than the actual like sitting on the bus and hanging out because uh, nobody really hangs out at Yellow Dogs in 2019. Because yeah, that, uh, <laughs> that travel dynamic isn't going anywhere. It's the same district layout yep. this year. Um, you know, it's reversed though. So if you basically, if you had John Tyler come, you know, to you this year, you're going to Tyler this coming season, and same with uh, with Texarkana. So, but as far as those three specific teams, North Poteet and West Mesquite, as far as specific offseason storylines, um, Devin, I know with Poteet last, uh, you know, during the offseason, we've got a, a new coach in the in the ranks 
there at Poteet. So just talk a bit about that. Uh, the promotion, I guess, within for the Pirates and how their offseason has shaped up thus far. Yeah, Rod McLean uh, takes over for Cody Groves. Uh, Cody Groves uh, was uh, promoted to athletic director. Mm-hmm. So congrats, congratulations, Coach Groves. Um, and this is exactly what Poteet did mm-hmm. the last time that they had a coaching change back in 2013 when Randy Jackson left. Cody Groves was the defensive coordinator then. Uh, they promoted within and uh, made a seamless transition uh, mm-hmm. to, in terms of wins and losses, uh, success-wise. Uh, they did the same thing this time. Uh, Rodney McLean's been there for four years as the defensive coordinator and the strength coach, which <coughs> excuse me, uh, he pointed out to me um, you know, when I talked to him this spring that the fact that he's the strength coach also was a, is a big thing for him because you know you, sometimes you think well defensive coordinator he's going to know the defensive guys but does he really know the offensive guys mm-hmm. well as strength conditioning coach he knows he's been working with all these players so him taking over the head coaching job he's got a good grasp of both sides of the ball um, there's you know no reason to think you know the Potista team has made the playoffs in the last nine years uh, more often than not they've been able to make uh, runs last year was kind of a tough uh, they're kind of snake bit last year um they lost 41-38 to in the first round against College Station in a back-and-forth game. This coming two weeks on the heels of uh, their showdown for the district title where they lost 48-44 to <laughs> John Tyler on the last second Hail Mary as time expires. Um, but they're in good shape uh, to, to make another run at it. Um, you know, just kind of looking over, uh, you know, obviously not getting too much in depth on the other teams. There's a lot of seniors on that all-district team uh, for, for programs like John Tyler. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, Poteet, while they certainly graduated their share of, of standouts, they have a lot coming back, too. Obviously, Seth McGowan, the district most valuable player from last year, their outstanding running back, uh, rushed for more than 1,600 yards and 25 touchdowns, and he's just a workhorse. I mean, he, that's just he's a guy that can really be the difference maker. Um Going through, they were having a break at any quarterback, uh, but Jalon Police, uh, who impressed me on the basketball court, good athlete okay. um, and whatnot, didn't play, um, uh, you know, at all in varsity last year, but he kind of is looking to step into that role. Um, you know, Tristan Golightly gives him a, a seasoned uh, option on the outside. I think the, the offensive line is supposed to be in good shape uh, with Jackson Huber, Matthew Martinez, uh, Jaden Donahoe is an outstanding sophomore who actually played varsity as a, as a freshman, which on the offensive line is kind of a rarity because they don't have usually that that, that varsity I guess, stature to, to step in um, on the line, but he's going to be a good one. Uh, defensively, the same thing. Uh, District Player of the Year, Jalen Holdo in the secondary uh, had 92 tackles, three defensive touchdowns. Um, he'll be back anchor that secondary. The, the linebacker unit is going to be really good with Jonathan Calf, Jalen Updike, uh, Nick Nicholas DeVille. So, you know, Poteets has, I mean, they're, they're armed and ready to, to make another run at that, that district title that eluded them on the Hail Mary last year. It is crazy to think just how like, what a swing game that was in terms of, because you look at how that affected like the playoff picture, so to speak. <laughs> now, John Tyler, the only team in that district that wound up even winning so much as a playoff game, they go four rounds deep. You just think if those if those rules were reversed, if Poteet gets that top seed, how different things could have been. Oh, yeah, because yeah. I think, I think you know, I was at that game, and that was two even teams. That was, I mean, two heavyweight teams in terms of a 5A Division One. I. I mean, these were, you kind of knew that both these teams had the potential to make a run, um, you know, once the playoffs rolled around. And, and again, it just, they drew the tougher assignment. You know, College Station came in that game as the reigning state champions. Oh, yeah. And uh, Poteet, much like the John Tyler game, they, they had their chances. They led late, and they just let it get away from mm-hmm. them. It was, uh, it was one of those really tough seasons when you, you, you let it get, a couple of those big games slip away in the final seconds on both uh, both accounts. Nevertheless, sounds like Poteet is, is locked and loaded and ready for another another run of the pretty consistently strong season, which has just been par for the course of that. Yeah, they'll, they'll be ready to go. Obviously, obviously, you know, John Tyler is always going to be John.
Scott Tyler, and they're always going to have a tremendous amount of athletes. But yeah, Pontice can be right there in the running yet again. Can we say the same for McKinney North, Kendrick? What's the read on the Bulldogs right now? Uh, they they expect, definitely expect to be in the playoffs, and those teams that he talked about, they had a game, they they um, against Pontice. They had a. They're going for a drive to either go to go for the win or uh, tie the game up. And the corner, Jaylen he made a great play. <laughs> just like he like he said he guessed because they had been running a certain route, and he basically guessed and he picked off Dylan Markowitz and did a Dion and basically it, it's, it says it was fifty three thirty nine. But that play right there because if that if he missed. They would have scored. It would have been overtime. Anything would have happened. Mm-hmm. So that was a swing. And then they went up to John Tyler, and um, they couldn't punch it in the last second. It got to be 28-25. And then they rolled in the Lufkin, playing number one team in the state. So they ended with like three losses, but those losses were way closer than what they looked. They get to play either game against Poteet or Tyler, and their seed would have went up. They got fourth. But the main thing for uh, McKinney North, defense, Defense, <laughs> defense. They're trying to change the mentality because when you think about it, you've been covering this area a little bit longer than me since I've been in and out and moved places. When you hear about McKinney North football, what do you think about? Oh, yeah, they're like te- they're Texas Tech. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Coach Cl- uh, Coach uh, Kyle Harden. He's been the offensive coordinator for for the, for the last few years. I know in the three years I covered them, they put up forty more points a game, and they've had three different cast of characters. Oh, yeah. He's not been the same people, and he and he finds a way to get it done. But um, this uh, off season. And they were presently surprised, especially in the spring. Their defense is doing things that they didn't think. They were ahead of the schedule they were last year. Mm-hmm. But the main thing is, you look at the numbers, again, even against Wiley East, the game that they went won 90 to 32, they gave up 32 <laughs> points. <laughs> they gave up 32 points or more against every opponent in district other than John Tyler. It was 28 25, and they lost. Yeah. So they got to get that number down. And the, um, the strength for them will be their linebackers. They got Carson Chris, a.k.a. I call him Sean Lee. Junior, you look at the kid. He's like five nine. Don't look that intimidating. He's very smart. He's always by the ball, like Sean Lee. It's like I don't know. It's like he knows stuff that, he, <laughs> that we don't know. He's a guy that you have to watch him play. He's not going to jump off at you by looking at him, but you see him. Uh, you see him play. He's always around the ball. Coach Fetchy's son, Max Fetchy, very impressive player. He's gotten better physically. He makes plays. They losing a lot up front. That defensive line um, is basically got decimated by graduation. But so they have all kinds of jobs. So um, Coach Villarreal is really high on Ethan Dennis, Keon. Day- Davis and Yomont Evans, Doug can be in a rotation because they don't really know who's going to stand out out of the crew. They have a guy named John Jones who's in an interesting predicament. Ooh. He um he he basically came on late towards the end of last year, but there's rumors that he might go to McKinney. So so somebody in MIZ is going to get a nice defensive lineman. It's just rather is he going to stay north or go to McKinney High. And then the secondary, they got Michael Morris and Devin Jones who didn't really have big roles this year, but you can see that potential and now they'll be locked in in secondary, but defense is going to be the key for McKinney North. If their defense can improve, their results will improve because they're going to put up points. Mm-hmm. On offense, I, I don't want to throw out things. It was kind of like everybody knows about Brandon Frazier, one of the top tight ends in the state. He's going to be a key factor. Um, Manny Fincher, a.k.a. Logic Jr., he looks like Logic the Rapper. <laughs> but, but he, last year in the spring, You know that is, Devin? Yeah, I'm, I'm wrong about it. <laughs> uh-huh. That's what they call him. But he, um, the guy went 
went from last year, kind of like being in a, he was in the top share with Hunter Shea, ended up getting a thousand yards and twelve touchdowns. But he got better as the year got on. He's put on uh, more weight, so I'm expecting big things out of him. And you know, North always finds somebody that gets a thousand five hundred yards. It's like oh, yeah. they just, so I, I think he'd be next in line to do that. He could have did last year had he not split carries. And isn't uh, so? Is Markowitz still in line to be the quarterback? Markowitz should be the uh, and starting quarterback. And his and his brother, his twin brother, yeah. who they call him Big Hoss um, Austin. Everybody has a like, nickname on this team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Big Hoss has gotten four <laughs> offers from uh, Tulsa and uh, Texas State and a couple of others, but he anchors that line now because yeah. um, North's line last year was kind of inexperienced. He's the anchor, so their offensive line they built up front. They got the running back. They got Big Frazier. They got JJ Henry and a couple a complement of uh, receivers. And Shama saw on the receiving core, mm-hmm. so the offense is locked and loaded as usual. Because <laughs> it's the first time now in a few years that they will enter with a, with just one quarterback. Because they've worked the committee with um, with Constantine and Markowitz yeah, in the last, last year. few years, and you know you had the one that was you know the more mobile quarterback, the more dual threat. Markowitz is more of your traditional pocket passer. I wonder how that's going to impact just the overall philosophy of the offense, especially for a guy like Frazier, who maybe since he's playing you know with since he has more of a pass oriented quarterback, maybe he's looking at a bigger workload or. The, they're definitely they're going to put him everywhere. He's going to be ace back, going to be tight end. He's going to be a receiver. They're going to find a way to cause mismatches because when he just goes out, I've literally seen two people just shift and then they leave somebody wide open because like oh number five or whatever. Like and Steph Curry, once, you know, like I said, Coach Kyle Hart does a great job of finding ways to get people the ball, so points would not be a problem for McKinney North. But everything is um ship is uh, based around him, but they have other ways to. Beat you besides them, which makes them deadly because they can run the ball. And Markowitz, um, he's a very solid quarterback. He got a lot of experience last year, like you said. He split time with Cam Constantine, but Cam got hurt and he didn't play the last three games, so he got those experiences yeah. against Poe T, against Sean Tyler in the playoff game. So he has that under his belt. So his he is like he hasn't been a full time starter, but he's got more experience than most people. Get going into their senior year that haven't started for the whole. And he started. Yeah. If you were just going to power rank the biggest games that they played last year, you know the playoff game and then John Tyler Poteet. Yeah, it's probably those are three uh, three good opponents to get your get your feet wet against yeah. for sure. Um, so yeah, North finished last year as part of a three way tie for third place um, with West Mesquite and Sherman. West Mesquite was unfortunately on the on the wrong end of that uh, of that uh, that three way log jam, wound up missing the playoffs. Um, so Devin, what is the read on the Wranglers right now? How are they feeling as far as their chances of bouncing back? Heading into this season, uh, you know a lot of new faces um, for yeah. West Mesquite this year. Uh, they had a lot of year uh, year athlete produced athletic playmakers on defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, a lot of times they're undersized, but they're just athletic and they, they're able to make plays. And um, you know they're going to have some new new guys stepping in, but they've been able to do that over the years. I mean, you look back since two thousand six, they've made the playoffs eleven out of thirteen years, and. Even the two years they didn't make it, they were in contention. Just like last year, they you know yeah. obviously tie for third and they lose it on the point differential. Um, so we'll have to see how some of these new guys step up. Uh, they do have one of the better uh, running backs uh, in the state, really, that no one really talks about, in Ty Jordan. Uh, he's got offers from you know several D one programs. Uh, a little undersized, but just quick. Quick, quick, quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he rushed for 1,240 yards, 15 touchdowns last year. Uh, he's an excellent wide receiver. Uh, he was a little bit banged up. Like I said, he put those numbers up. He missed the McKinney North game. Again, they, they lost out there. Um, and so he's going to be the focal point uh, on offense, especially as they break in a new quarterback. You know, when I was at their spring game, they worked a couple different guys in. Uh, you know, they, they're missing a you know, big target on the outside. Last year they had Dylan Wright. Uh, he signed with A&M. Oh, yeah. And, um, big kid. 
Man, yeah, they don't. Six. Yeah, yeah, he's an excellent athlete. I'm really curious to see how they use uh, Jacoby Walton. Uh, he was as a sophomore last year. He was a defensive newcomer of the year. Uh, he had 52 tackles, uh, a couple of fumble recoveries, a couple of forced fumbles. Uh, but he also played a little on offense. Uh, carried the ball to the backfield. Uh, they lined up the outside. He had 10 catches, I believe. So, um, and one of the best returners in the region, um, averaging over 25 yards a kickoff and over 12 yards per punt. So, really curious how they're going to incorporate him. Uh, you know, West Mesquite has not been averse to playing uh, guys two ways uh, in the past. There's a lot of guys that have done that, uh, that basically played 90 to 95 percent of the snaps. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you have, I guess, a dynamic athlete, the way that Jacoby Walton appears to be, um, you know, you're going to see him in the backfield. You may see him on the outside. You're going to see him in the secondary, uh, in the in, on special teams. He may be one of those guys that never leaves the field. So, but but he also proved last year um, he, he has game changing abilities. So, really curious to see how they they incorporate him into into both sides. Um, but again, West Mesquite's going to be in the mix. Uh, it's just going to be real interesting to see what the, how they come out in August once that uh, once that two D finally decide you know starts to, to take shape. It's still incredibly early, but do we? I mean, is there any read on John Tyler? I know they won the district last year. Is that still? Do we feel like the team to beat right now, or is it still? Are you still not really? I know what they're bringing I, to the table this year. I think given what they lost. And given what Poteet returns, I, I think if you if you polled the coaches right now, they would say Poteet would probably be the, okay. the early favorite. Just simply because again, John Tyler is one of those programs that you know that reloads year in year out. Okay. Um, but just you know, going by the number of starters that they lost, um, especially key starters, you know, a quarterback, running back, and, and etc. It's really it's tougher to gauge them as, than it is a team like Poteet, where you know Seth McGowan's there, where you know that Jalen Hodo's there, mm-hmm. where you know they have proven commodities that you know are going to be able to go out there and produce. Yeah, and then, uh, Seth McGowan's supposed to be that guy. Oh yeah, no, that, that kid's a horse just from the the highlights that I've seen of him over the years. Yeah, he's he's a force to be reckoned. Probably on the short list of district MVP candidates, I'd say right oh, now for, sure. for that district. And that is a, a at least a cursory look, at least as far as our local programs go for District Seven Five A Division Two. I'm still going to talk a little Six A, and we'll talk some Six Six A. So Louisville ISD and Capel. We'll get Kendrick and Devin out of here. Bring in Justin Thomas, and we will pick that up in just a moment. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media. 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now, let's get back to the podcast. All right, we are back. Uh, we've got Justin Thomason to talk some 66A, so some Louisville ISD, some Capel. You're uh, the district that you uh, you cover so near and dear for all these years. Um, yeah, so this was a district that last year probably had, I'd say, one of the more random, like just prom- like returns to prominence for a program. Yeah. I don't think it, Firemont was not on anybody's radar last year as far as being a maybe. potential district championship yeah, maybe team. Maybe as a playoff team, but I don't think anybody saw it. Peg them as a district champ, certainly not going undefeated yes. all the way to the district championship. In a district, well, in that, district has, that, is, I mean, yeah. that has programs like Capel and Heber and Marcus, just these playoff, these perennial playoff juggernauts, and yeah, Firemound just out of out of nowhere. Yeah. So uh, I mean, yeah, what are the? Uh, let's start with the Jaguars as they uh, as they are embarking on their off season and the uh, building towards their other eventual district championship defense. I mean, what do we make so far of how Firemound's off season is coming along? And um, yeah, just what are the odds that we can see a similar year out of the Jaguars? Well, obviously, they're running pretty high. There's a lot of enthusiasm within the program uh, coming off that big season last year. And 
plenty of reasons to be optimistic uh, looking forward, especially when you look at the, the offense that was pretty high-powered last year. They're going to have to replace their entire offensive line. So <laughs> that's pretty that's, significant. <laughs> that's the big question mark because um, they're pretty loaded at the skill position. Mm -hmm. So um, we'll see how the what they kind of developed over the spring and going into the fall up front. But at the skill positions, they're loaded. You know, Blake Short was the offensive MVP. He's back at quarterback. Yeah. Pierce Hudgens probably could have made a case for him to be the offensive MVP as last year as well at running back. He's back off a monster season he had. Uh, they lose Jake Welch, but they still have two quality receivers coming back in Reed Touchdown and Reese Carter, mm -hmm. so um, talented wide receivers. And, you know, this offense, I'm assuming the line can come around, I think they're going to be able to put up points. And don't forget, they also have a weapon in the kicking game there with Burt Auburn um, okay. coming off an all-district season. He was just a sophomore last year, mm -hmm. so they'll have him for two more years. So um, this is an offense that I think, you know, as long as, you know, the offensive line just doesn't completely fall apart, this is going to be a really prolific offense, I think. So that's going to be kind of what they're hanging their hat on. But they still have some talented players coming back on defense, too, especially um, Travis McFarlane and still an EB up front. So the, fr the front line, uh, the front seven, should be pretty strong for Flyer Mound, too. So they're going to be pretty uh, optimistic, pretty excited heading back into to next season. And I think you can look for some more uh, good things from the Jaguars, mm -hmm. especially with what they've got offensively. Because with the offensive line, it's not just that they graduated all five of their starters. All five of those kids made the all-district yeah. team, too. So it's not like they're just replacing like small so rands. Right. Those are five really, really good linemen. So uh, yeah. yeah, that is definitely top of mind as far as areas to address for Coach uh, Basil and his staff. I guess that's kind of a good way to, to transition to another team, Coppell, that yes. um, has all-district center Garrison Wheatley back, but they lost four first-team all-district players on the offensive line. They always have great offensive lines, yeah, though it feels they're like. pretty much a factory over there. Um, so I'm not too concerned that they won't be able to replace that talent, but still, you know, it's always going to be a learning process when you have four new starters on the mm -hmm. line there. And Coppell is a team that really just got hit by uh, graduation hard. Not only did they lose those offensive linemen, they lost seven all-district defensive players as mm -hmm. well. Um, and then you look at some of the talent they lost, Ryan Hurt and D. Heath in the backfield, mm -hmm. you know, do it all. Jonathan McGill, Stanford signee, he was the MVP in the district mm -hmm. last year playing both ways, so they'll have to replace him. They do have Drew Cernelia back at uh, quarterback, so that's okay. a good kind of starting point. Um, oh, another big guy they lost was uh, receiver Rashid Noel, who also took some snaps at quarterback. So they that's have right. big shoes to fill kind of all over the place. They're going to get back a guy that might have been their most talented player last year, but he got er injured early in the season, K.J. Liggins. He mm -hmm. missed the basketball season, too, but he was out there at spring camp working out, so okay. he's fully healthy, and he's a two-way player that should really be able to help alleviate the loss of some of those play, uh, skilled players at the playmaking positions there. Because that was the first thing that I was looking at was just like, what the heck are they going to do with the skilled positions on yeah. offense? Because this was an offense that, I mean, relative to you know the, the normal Capel standard, that offense took some lumps last yeah, year. Yeah, definitely. They had trouble, especially moving the ball through the air. And, you know, it's kind of weird, a team that has five first-team all-district performers on the offensive line. They mm -hmm. didn't have an all-district running back, so we'll see. Which is weird they, because, yeah. like, Hurts, like, I mean, Hurts was a quality yeah, back. Least the times that I've seen him play. Just, just the depth of the running back position in that district, yeah. I guess, was tough to get a spot. But they, either way, they still have to replace him and D. Heath, who was their second reading running back. And mm -hmm. like I said, I think their top five receivers all graduated. But so hopefully, KJ Liggins, you might, they might have to incorporate him offensively more than maybe they would have mm -hmm. last year.
Yes, the uh, so yeah they graduated one half of the uh, the MVP ballot yeah. for District Six Six A, and I mean yeah they're losing Jonathan McGill with as much yeah. as he was asked to do on both sides of the ball. I mean that is mm-hmm. a I mean how many positions did that kid ultimately play yeah, by I the mean, end of his high school career? Running back, receiver, kick returner, punt returner, even took some reps mm-hmm. in Wildcat at quarterback. In yeah. addition to playing in the secondary, where he was you know stud there, which is where he's going to play in college. Oh. Um, I mentioned the seven all district players they lost. They also lose their defensive coordinator, Kirk McBride, who went with his dad, Joe, okay. when he took the job at Boyd, the head coaching job at Boyd. So Justin Merchant will be the defensive coordinator under uh, Coach mm-hmm. DeWitt there at Coppell. But they do have a couple good players. Tim O'Hurd's back, and then, of course, you had Walker Polk, who was the newcomer of the year, just outstanding linebacker as a freshman last year. So look for big things for him over the mm-hmm. next three years. So still some talent there, but big, big shoes to fill on both sides of the ball for the Cowboys. The other uh, the other half of the district MVP out of 6XA was Hebron's Trajan Bridges, another player who did just about everything that you could ask for out of, yeah. a, out of a skill player. Heck, I remember the um, the, you know, the first game that I covered last season was Hebron against Plano. At, caught three touchdowns that game. And that, was, yeah, and that was also the game, though, that they were having to use their backup quarterback because yeah. Carson Harris began the year. He didn't play in that yeah. game. He was being held out of that game for unknown reasons. But nevertheless, uh, um, so yeah, like in the second half, there were parts where they just had to roll with Bridges as their quarterback. He was strictly yeah. in there as a wildcat runner and whatnot, and they were still able to hold off and defeat Plano in a large part because Plano just couldn't tackle him yeah. out of the backfield. I mean, yeah, you just got to see his versatility on display, and yeah, I mean, obviously it led to another great year for Hebron. So without That's him, the though, third round for I think the third time, third time ever, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So yeah, I mean, without him and just all that he was asked to do for that offense, really the the linchpin of the uh, of yeah. the Hawks and their identity last season. What do we make of what Hebron's offense is going to have now without Trajan Bridges? Well, I think they're going to be still okay at wide receiver. They mm-hmm. have Colton Bradford and Keon Wafer back, who uh, were kind of the secondary receivers behind Bridges last year. Uh, they have a couple guys, Vincent Miller and Mason Williamson, who are going to be playing two ways, wide receiver and safety. And then they got a big uh, transfer, Jedi Henry, mm-hmm. a guy that you're kind of familiar with coming over from John Paul II. So look for him to kind of step in and maybe help alleviate some of that loss from Bridges. The other thing you can do is you can always turn around and hand the ball off because they have a dynamic backfield. Jalen Lott was an all-district performer last year. Isaiah Broadway was co-newcomer of the year with Armani Winfield over at Louisville, the receiver. Um, Talking to Coach uh, Brazel, he says you're going to see both of them in the backfield at times, maybe even Lott taking some reps at receiver this year to kind of fill into that Bridges playmaking role Mm. a little more. And then, you know, you have Carson Harris coming back for his senior year. you know, obviously led them in the third round, and he's a true weapon with his legs as well, in addition to what he can do in the passing game. So, you know, it's tough to lose a singular talent like Bridges, but still tons of talent on this Hebron offense. Um, another kind of sticking with the trend, I guess, is, you know, having to replace uh, offensive linemen. They lost one of their stalwarts on the line, Blake Barber, but they do have all district players Joel Suarez and Miles James back as well with Trent McCown even though he didn't play spring football because he was still playing with Hebron's baseball team but three starters back on the offensive line so that should be a pretty good foundation Mm -hmm. to work with there and I think this offense is going to I think they'll still be able to move the ball pretty well. To make a case that right now that is the best backfield in the in the district between uh, Lot and Broadway. Probably one of the best backfields in the whole area. Yeah. And, I mean, Broadway is a guy that was getting Division One offers before he even took a snap as a freshman. I think Baylor offered him before the season even started. So, mm-hmm. um, but him and Lot, you know, Broadway's more kind of more the physical guy. Lot's more of the 
the game breaker speed mm-hmm. guy. So I think still going to be a lot of talent on that Hebron offense there. If there was a, a school in the district that at this time last year we would have laid claim to having the best backfield in the district, it would have been Marcus. How's that for a transition? Yeah. And uh, with Marcus in, I mean, it was the, I mean, we know it's been the case for the last, what, three years or whatever. Yeah. It, was just, it was the Justin Dinka show, yep. one of the best running backs in the, in the area, the state, what have you. I mean, everything just revolved around Justin Dinka. Yeah. Um, so Defenses knew that, too. Yes. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. So, obviously, uh, with him, you know, having graduated and he's on to what now, San Diego State? San Diego State, yep. What is, uh, what is life after Dinka look like for the Marauders? I don't know, because they lose Dinka, but they also lose their playmaker at wide receiver, Marcel Brooks, who has yes. just awesome in, in terms of big but, uh, playability. Going impressive two-way LSU. contributor for yeah. the for Marcus. Going on to LSU. Um, fortunately, they have Garrett Nussmeyer back for his junior year. You know, he kind of transferred in uh, last year, took over as quarterback as a sophomore, and so Coach uh, Atkinson said he had a very nice camp, so they're looking for big things from him as he moves into his years as an upperclassman. And then replacing Dinka, you're going to have Tyson Edwards, who actually showed a lot of flashes last year. He averaged 7.2 yards per carry okay. and four touchdowns. So he looks like he's going to be capable. I mean, tough to replace a you know D1 guy like Dinka, but it looks like Tyson Edwards is going to be able to help uh, help alleviate that loss with the running game there. And then it should be pretty solid at wide receiver. You have Jaden Robinson and Christian Espinosa back. You have H back, Colin Sutherland back, and then a guy you got to see. Yeah, some, some I'm fascinated seven, by this guy. Seeing <laughs> some seven on seven action, they had a Kansas City move in named J. Michael Sturdivant, and from what you say and from what Coach Atkinson said, he seems like he'll be a big playmaker for them at receiver. That's the thing with Marcus, like, and it just shows you how much like a coaching change can change the way you conduct your offseason. Mm-hmm. This has got to be the most seven on seven that Marcus has ever played. Like, yeah. you never saw Marcus in the SQT circuit. No, and, and they've already qualified. Yeah, so. they've already qualified for state for the first time in like. What like almost fifteen years? I want to say. Yeah. Um, I mean, but yeah, they've played already in two SQTs, one in Hearst, one in Grapevine. They're playing again in Justin Northwest on yeah, Friday. Keep playing in them until they get to state. So they're not going to do a league, but they'll keep playing in the tournaments mm-hmm. and get ready for that state tournament coming up. Here. That's the thing with that was so. with seven on seven. Like you know, you can kind of tell like the players that are a bit of a, a cut above the rest of them, especially mm-hmm. the receivers. They kind of stand out in seven on seven. And granted, it's you know you have to apply the obvious caveats. Seven on seven, you can only be so physical with the with the between the DBs and the receivers and whatnot, but uh, yeah, Sturdivant has been one of the best players <laughs> at, yeah. at um, in both of the tournaments that I've seen, just from his ability to, to to win 50-50 balls in the air, I mean, his ability to get separation on deep routes, I mean, I was just thinking watching him, you know, against, uh, you know, Grapevine against, I forget who it was, that he was just tearing up some ha- some helpless secondary, yeah. <laughs> but like, I was thinking, like, I mean, Caden uh, Smith was a tight end, I can't think of the last time, though, that Marcus had a dominant, wide, a potentially dominant wide receiver like this, it feels like quite some time, yeah. but this uh, yeah, this movement in there is J. Michael Sturdivant. Yeah, keep keep an eye on him. Marcus, uh, they got themselves a, a pretty significant yeah. weapon. If what we're seeing right now carries over into the fall when they put the pads on. Yeah. Sticking with Marcus, another um, kind of theme of this district is you have a lot of moving in the coaching ranks. No head coaching changes, but lots of new coordinators. Yeah. That's the case at Marcus, too. Um, Scott Wells will come in from Sunnyvale to take over as defensive coordinator, and he's got a pretty good uh, front seven to work with. You have Hunter Sanders and Jacob Mercant in the trenches, but Marcus's kind of strength, if you kind of look at their team right now, I would have to say is that linebacker. You have 
you know, Ethan Barr and Tyler Ganey mm -hmm. both back off all district seasons. Yeah. Michael Kerrigan, Alex Fontaine, Hayden Self, so they're experienced and deep, and I think the linebacker is going to be a real strong seat for them. The only other team in your neck of the woods we have not mentioned up to this point, and it stinks because, like, with what Flower Mound did last year and they're just kind of com them coming out of yeah. nowhere, it kind of buried what an awesome turnaround year it was for Louisville. It was. I mean... Louisville, which finished second in the district. Second in the district, one loss. To Flower Mound, a game that they led by uh, what was it, twenty points mm -hmm. in the third quarter. So they were, you know, one huge Flower Mound comeback away from being the turnaround story and getting the district title in their yeah. own right. So um, talking to Coach Odell there, you know, they're very excited going into this year. The experienced players mm -hmm. they have coming back, you know, are really relaying to the younger kids, you know, about what it takes on the field and off the field and in the classroom, the expectations, and so things are really going nice for Louisville there. Farmers have two coordinators to replace, so they're going to bring in um, Stu Johnson. He did some college coaching at Wabash and Purdue and was on staff with Coach Ogle back in the day when they were both at Coppell, so a lot of familiar there. Mm -hmm. He's coming in to replace Antonio Wiley, who got the head job at Hershey. All right. Which also means the Farmers lose Antonio Wiley's son, Antonio Wiley, who was an all-district secondary player, along with Kevin Anderson. So... For the farmers, you know, they have big, big holes to fill on the offensive line, and that secondary was, you know, very, real strong suit for them last year with that awesome defense. Oh, yeah. Some big shoes to fill there, but um, they should be strong in the front seven again. Um, talking to Coach Odell, um, Luke Halter is going to lead that linebacking unit, and then Christian Versi and Earl Barnes uh, up in the front four, two really good players there. Mm -hmm. So um, that's going to be the kind of the foundation for what should be a pretty strong Louisville um, defense again. Because, uh, yeah, I guess now looking at with, with Wiley departing, that would mean then that they've lost nine players that made the all-district team from that defense last yeah. year. Yeah, so you got Versi and Barnes are the only two back, but they were also all-district players. Mm -hmm. um, offensively, they're going to have a new coordinator. It's Greg Winder. He comes in from Stephenville. He was actually Stephenville's okay. head coach. Um, He's got some, some good uh, pieces to work with, too, especially in the backfield with Ben McAfee and Damian Martinez. And then, as I mentioned, Armani Winfield. He's a, another guy that got a Baylor offer before he ever stepped foot on the field at Louisville. So <laughs> expect a big breakout season from Winfield. He's going he's gonna to be a name, um, as I said, only a sophomore this upcoming year. Yeah. So you're going to be hearing a lot about this guy moving forward. And Spencer Nielsen's back, but he's kind of the only key piece back on the mm -hmm. offensive line. They had a transfer, Armani Winfield, or Armani Winfield, <laughs> at quarterback last year. I don't know why I said Winfield. So he's, um, they have three guys they're looking at at quarterback, so kind of a jumble there. Um, Odell seems pretty confident in what he's seen from all three, but not much separation or decisions mm -hmm. to be made there at quarterback. So that's another thing to keep an eye on with uh, Louisville. Should be a, a fun little battle royale for those four playoff spots between those uh, those five schools, which yeah. we would assume are still probably a cut above the Irving ISDs. Yeah, Nimitz was kind of Nimitz was feisty, pretty pesky last year. Yeah. But I would definitely say you know I would look at the LISD schools and Coppell as you know the five mm -hmm. front runners for those four playoff spots, even with what some of those teams lost. Awesome. And that'll do it for this episode of the Start Local Media High School Sports Podcast. We'll be back on Thursday to talk two more districts as part of our spring football roundup series. In the meantime, folks, you keep enjoying your week, and we will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. 
Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.